0: And I'm a pastor here at New Hope. And uh, today we're going to keep talking through Romans. We've been talking about Romans. We're going to keep on pedaling through that. And uh, I'm just going to be straight up. This is a very straightforward passage. It's probably the most understandable writing you'll ever see Paul giving, um, which he can be a little confusing at times. But we're going to break it down. Verse by verse, and we're going to dig a little deeper and ask a bunch of questions about why Paul's writing what Paul's writing. Because if I had to do it in college, now you have to do it too. And so I think that's fair, right? That's pretty cool. Um, And so I want to start from the top um, in Romans uh, 4, 7 through 8. And I want to read this Uh, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Uh, Something we need to note about this is this isn't just found in Romans. Uh, You see, it's actually in quotation marks. uh, It's indented in the paragraph in your Bible because Paul is quoting a psalm. He's quoting Psalm 32, which is a psalm of David. It's verse 1 and 2 of that. And here David is recognizing that there is this blessing upon some, right? There's a blessing. On those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered, and whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Uh, if we go on to Romans four nine, Paul says this. Well, is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We've been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Um, getting in deep right away, right? Whoa, Paul. Um, but... What, we, have, we have to start and we have to ask a question. What is this blessedness he's talking about? He's talking about the blessedness that David's talking about. That transgressions are forgiven, sins are covered, and sins won't be counted against this person that receives this blessing. What's a transgression? A transgression means you know the right thing to do and you do the wrong thing to do intentionally. Right? You know what's right and you do what's wrong. What's sin? Maybe less intentional. It can be intentional. But transgression definitely means intentional, right? Sin, though, can be accidental. Maybe you don't know that you failed, but you have failed. Regardless, though, here we see whether you meant to do it, whether you didn't mean to do it, it's covered. It's forgiven that this sin is not counted against that person. So, in short, the blessing is that that person is made righteous. And when we look at Romans 4.9, what's it say? It says, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous, right? That's what he's talking about. He was made righteous. He is receiving the blessing that David is talking about in Psalm 32. That's what what Paul's saying here. So we go on to Romans 4.10. What's it say? It says, under what circumstances was it credited? Was it after he was circumcised or was it before? It was not after, but it was before. Okay? First of all, before we get into this, why circumcision? Why is that what he's talking about? Well, we're in the early church right here, right? And Paul's talking to a Roman audience of Gentiles. And they're going, well, we're believers now. Do we need to be circumcised? And there's probably groups of people popping up. And and in other books, we see that there's arguments about this. Some saying, yeah, they need to be circumcised. Or no, they don't need to be circumcised. But why circumcision? Circumcision is the sign that you are a Jew. That was God's sign that this person is now my people. This is a Jew. This is an Israelite, right? And so now they're saying, well, these new people, do they need to be brought into the fold and do the things that we had to do? And so that's why all this is coming up, right? And so the question is, Paul's saying, well, wait, 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 if if Abram was counted as righteous, was it before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? And the reason he's asking that question is because he knows his audience knows the story, right? So what happens in the story? God tells Abram, he says, Abram, I am your shield, and I'm going to bless you. And Abram goes, hey, no offense, God, but how exactly do you plan on doing that? He's like, I'm 100 years old. My wife's going through menopause. We don't have a son. We have no heir. So I've got this guy over here, Eliezer, he's my servant. I'm probably just going to make him my heir and give all my stuff to him. And God says, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. He says, come outside. And it says, Abram follows the voice of God outside. And God says, I want you to look up. And he looks up and he says, you see those stars? And Abram says, yeah. And he says, count them. Count them. Can you even count them? He says, that's going to be your offspring. That they're going to be that numerous. They're uncountable. They're going to be like the stars in the sky. Those are your sons, Abram. And then you know what it says? says that he believed him. Abram believed God. God just told Abram something impossible. He said, yeah, your wife's barren. <laughs> you know, you're not going to have kids. There's no way. It's not possible. But guess what? You're going to have kids. There's no earthly way this could happen, but I'm going to do this for you. And Abram believed him. And then it says this. And his faith was credited to him as righteousness. That's what it says. Here's what I want you to understand about that. Is Abram was credited as righteous because of his faith. Abram, Gentile name, not a Jewish name. He's not Abraham yet. He's not circumcised yet. This is Genesis 15. He doesn't get circumcised for two chapters. He doesn't become a Jew for two chapters. And Paul's saying God made a Gentile righteous by his faith. And his faith alone. No circumcision. That's wild, right? That's kind of cool. So he goes on. Romans 4, 11 through 12 says, And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. That's a lot, right? There's a lot going on there. But what is the first thing he says? He says, That the circumcision was given to Abraham as a sign of the faith he already had. The circumcision didn't bring his righteousness, it didn't bring his salvation. God said, You believe me, you believe in me, you trust me, you're good, you're saved, you're righteous in my eyes. And so, here is this thing that I want you to do, and this is going to show that you really are for me. This is just this is for you. This isn't for me. This doesn't save you. This just lets you know that you're mine. This is going to let other people know that you're mine. This is going to say you're set apart. You're different. It doesn't bring the salvation, it's a fruit of the salvation. You see? So here's the thing, though God doesn't just bless Abraham, He blesses His sons, right? Because He says, Look up, look up at the stars. Look, you can't even count them. That's how many sons you're going to have. And he's blessing all of these sons. And so now, Paul has to say, well, wait, who are the sons, though? Well, it's the uncircumcised who live by faith. And it's the circumcised who live by faith. It's the Gentile, the uncircumcised, who lives by faith. And it's the Jew, the circumcised, who live by faith in God. Right? But guess what? There's one category not represented. The one person, the people that are sacrificed or sorry, the people that are circumcised, that don't live by faith. That's not a son of Abraham. That person isn't righteous. If you're just doing the stuff, if you're just doing the thing to do it, but in you, there's no heart change, there's no faith in you, you don't know the one true God, then you're not a son of Abraham. You're not righteous. And you got to understand when he's saying all this, this is crazy to the Jewish listener. Because the Pharisees would go around saying, yes, I'm a son of Abraham, right? Like that's a title for a Jew. And Paul's saying, no, it's anyone who lives by faith in God. This is huge. This is controversial stuff that Paul is saying here. The circumcised who have no faith are not sons of Abraham. It's by faith alone, whether you're circumcised or not. And so we've talked enough about circumcision for like ever. We don't have to talk about it anymore. We're good. Um, But we know it doesn't save people. Circumcision doesn't save you. It's a sign of the salvation already present in you. That's all it is. And you don't have to have it. You just have to have faith. So the question is, if not circumcision, what about the law of God? See, Paul's audience is going to be wondering this, right? What about the law? The law has been huge forever. So we have to look at Romans 4:13 through 15. It was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless, because the law brings wrath. And where there is no law, there is no transgression. Okay, so here's the deal. It can't be the law. First one's really logical, right out there in the open. Why can't it be the law? Because when Abram was made righteous before God, he wasn't even a Jew, let alone Several hundred years hadn't passed when God even gave the Jews the law. So it can't be the law that makes people righteous, because Abram was made righteous and the law didn't even exist on earth, right? So it can't be that, but more so, if you depend on the law, Paul says, you'll find wrath. Why do you find wrath? Because all the law was ever meant to do was to show us the wickedness of sin. It was never meant to save. It was meant to be a mirror that a man could look in and see the darkness in his own heart and see the darkness in the hearts of his people around him and see that when we sin, we breathe death into this world. That's why they gave the sacrificial system, right? That that when you sin, you would have to go kill an animal in your place and you would look at that animal and realize my sin just killed that innocent being, right? But it doesn't save. It can't save. It was never meant to save. It was to show us that we need a savior. That we need somebody good. And all the men are bad, so who's good? God is good. It's to point us back to faith. So if not the law, if not circumcision, what about good works? That one applies to us. Jesus says, go and do good things, right? He says, like, if, uh, if, I, if my father uh, takes a branch and it has no fruit, then that branch will be plucked off of me and thrown into the fire. We're the branches, fruit being the good works, thrown into the fire. Well, does that mean that we're saved by good works? No. Good works happen because you're a healthy branch in the first place. Good works happen because you really are attached to the true vine right? That you have real faith. In fact, we're not going to do this because it would take too long to read through the whole thing again. But if you go back to everything we've read up until here, right? If you do uh, Romans 4, 9 through, what are we at? 15 so far. If you go through all that and you replace circumcision and the law with good works or some variant of that, it reads the exact same. Your works can't save you. They never save you. They won't save you. But they're a sign. They're a stamp. They're a seal that you are saved, that you do believe, that you truly do have faith in God. And if you have works and no faith, then you're no son of Abraham. That's our modern variant, right? So let's go to Romans 4, 16 through 17. It says, therefore, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace And may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. What do we get out of that? It's through faith alone that we're saved by the grace of God. And here's the deal. It has to be by faith through grace alone. Right? Because here's the deal. If you bring the law into the equation, if you bring circumcision into the equation, then how could God's promise that Abraham would be the father of many nations and all these nations are going to be blessed by you, Abraham? Right? How can they be blessed? How can they be made righteous when Israel is the only nation with circumcision and the law? How could the other nations abide by that? Israel's the only one that has this book, that has this word, that has this knowledge. It has to be by something bigger than the law. Bigger than circumcision. It's by grace alone because grace alone extends to everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. He says it's not just to those of the law, which would be the Jews, but to those who have faith, just a simple faith like Abraham, the Gentiles. It says Abraham is our father in the eyes of God. See, God credited Abraham with righteousness. And where do you think that righteousness comes from? From his son, Jesus Christ, who's going to die thousands of years later, right? This happens way down the line, but that was always the plan. So even here in this story about Abraham, we see that Christ's righteousness extends back through time to Abraham to credit him as righteous by the blood of his son in the future. And that same righteousness, it extends to us if we simply believe all this time after Christ died. says this is the God... Who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were once not. He's the creator of all things. God created everything from nothing. He spoke it into existence. That Sarah's womb is dead. It can't hold a baby. Abraham's dreams of ever having a child, an heir, to be his son, to carry on his name, dead, squashed. And God raises that dream from the dead. And he raises that dead womb to life so it can hold a baby. And it does. And the promised son is given. God takes our broken, hardened, stone hearts and he gives us hearts of flesh and he brings us to life. And how does he do all this? By our simple faith through the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, through his grace extended to us, and nothing else. See, here's the reason this is all so important. After God tells Abram that he's granted, he's he's made righteous, right, because of his faith, still a Gentile, God goes and he says, Abram, I want to make a pact with you. He says, I want you to go and I want you to gather all these animals. And Abram goes and he, he gets one of each of the animals that God tells him to get. And he says, now cut them in half. And he cuts them each in half. It's a little gruesome, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he lays them in a row. Now, the reason he's doing this is because at this time in the world, people were nomadic. They lived in the middle of nowhere by themselves with their family and their little encampments. And so if somebody comes in, to steal from you or to kill your family, right? You need someone to have your back. So you would go and you would find some other nomadic person, maybe not so far from you, and you would do what God is telling Abraham to do here. You would go and you would get animals and you would cut them in half and you would lay them in a row and you would form an aisle out of their bodies. And you would both stand at each end of this aisle and you would say, I've got your back. I will protect you. I will treat your family as if they're my own family. I'll give you help when you need it. You do the same for me. And if I fail to hold up my end of that, then let me be like these animals. It's a blood pact. It's a blood covenant. And then you would walk through the aisle, and as you walk through the aisle, it's sealed, it's done, it can't be broken. It's your life on the line at that point. So what happens? Abram does this. And God comes down and he puts Abram in a deep sleep and he never lets Abram walk the aisle. And then God walks the aisle because Abram can't do it. He knows he can't do it. God's looking at Abram and he's saying, you can never hold up your end of this deal and I'm not even gonna let you make it, but I'll make it. I would lay down my life for you, Abram. If I, if I go back on this deal, I would lay down my own life, the life of God on the line." Because he knew he would always uphold it. And he does. He always has Israel's back. Look through the Old Testament. No matter how many times Israel fails God, God always stays for Israel. Always. And it's today as well. It's for all the offspring of Abraham. And who are the offspring of Abraham? You and me. So here's the fun part. I totally said I wasn't going to do this. And I did it for a service. And it was actually kind of fun. But we were at the Adler's. It was Jason Adler's birthday party yesterday. And had us over playing some video games. And I was telling them, they were like, what's the sermon about? And I told them. And they said, you going to sing the song? And I said, no. And then I'm sitting here last night, checking things over, finishing things up. And I'm like, it's a pretty theologically accurate song. I think we should probably sing it. So. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. That's it! That's the whole message in that stupid song. We're not doing the left arm, right arm. We're not doing that. Don't do that. But my point is, that song is this passage. It's good. Father Abraham had many sons. I'm one of them. So are you. Praise the Lord, man. That's great. How often do we take the time to think in those simple terms, though? We get so caught up in our own sin. We get so caught up in our own mistakes that we feel down and we're like, how could God love me? How could God love a sinner like me? But that's the importance of taking a simple message like this and breaking it down verse by verse and looking at it. I'm sitting here last night and it's like, I knew all of this. I knew all of this. But reading it verse by verse, Paul is diffusing every argument For something we must have to do to earn God's favor. Well, it must be circumcision. Well, it must be the law. We look at it today and go, well, it must be works. No, it's not. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? Do you put your faith in the one true God? Then you're good to go. Father Abraham had many sons. I'm one of them. So are you. Praise the Lord. Do it. It's awesome. Think about that sing that stupid song all week. Sing it every day. It's great. I love it. That's what I want you to think about today. That's the message today. We are sons of Abraham and sons of Abraham hold on to God's promise that we are made righteous by our faith through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, nothing else. So a big idiot like me, that makes terrible mistakes every single day of my life and gets down on myself every single day of my life. If I'm okay, you're okay. So we're good. Be happy. Be happy that it's just faith. Nothing's requiring you. Have faith in God. And if you love him, then he's going to do good things to you. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast.